Welcome back to Ghostbusters Minute. How you guys doing out there in Radio Land? Welcome back to another premium episode. Uh, today we're going to be reviewing the Ghostbusters soundtrack. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And we're very happy to bring you this very special episode. I think this one's going to be a lot of fun. Dude, I know. Like Most of the ones we've done in the past, they've all been fun and everything. Yeah. And the ideas that people have sent in, uh, some of them have been sent in, were a lot of fun. But this is one that like I think really grabbed our attention. And um, I, it's, yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun doing this one. This is going to be a review of the 1984 soundtrack for Ghostbusters off of Arista Records. And of course, uh, unless you have been living under a rock for your entire life, well, first of all, it'd be weird that you would subscribe to this without knowing about the Ray Parker Jr. classic song, Ghostbusters. But uh, we're going to go into detail, some recording details about the song, and just kind of our general thoughts on the album and uh, its place kind of in cultural history. So, Brady, did you listen to the th- to the full album all the way through? I did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, did you find yourself like feeling differently than you did when you listened to it on tape back in 1984? Yeah, right. Um, that is the the thing about this is uh, that on a soundtrack for a movie, you don't always hear the songs in the movie. In fact, in some cases, they might not even be played in the movie, mm-hmm. just on the soundtrack. Uh, and a lot of the songs in this, I didn't hear because, like for example, um, Air Supplies song "I Can Wait Forever." Yeah. Uh, is playing on the headphones of the guy who's like bringing, rolling all of the uh, gear out of the Ghostbusters office yeah, that's in the right. beginning. Yeah. So you don't really hear it, um, but it's on the soundtrack. So there's there's actually just a couple of songs that I'm able to, maybe like three songs on the list that I'm able to actually remember where they were in the movie. Yeah, I think the audience was mercifully spared from the Air Supply song in the soundtrack. <laughs> it just about put me to sleep when well, I listened to it. The thing is, it's like the guy's you know backing out of the room and he's you know nodding his head and everything yeah. to the music. And I'm like, this is not a banging song. Yeah. Like, but whatever. So this album was huge. It was massive when it was released. Uh, I want to say that uh, the actual, just the single for Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. sold, let me see if I can get this number right, 3,350,000 copies. Jeez. Which made Ray Parker Jr. a very, very wealthy man. Yeah. And yeah. to this day, you hear that song played at, you know, bars and everything like that. There's a, uh, a bar here in town that I go to. They do like a retro 80s night type thing. And mm-hmm. um, every time they play that song, I mean, the whole crowd, the everyone in the building, hundreds of people just all dancing, all singing, everything. It's, it's an great. eternal banger, as I would like there to put go. it, an eternal banger. I have a funny story, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good friend of mine, she had no idea what Ghostbusters was. She had no idea. Uh-huh. And uh, she's in a school auditorium one day when she's in high school and all of a sudden, some some guys who were in the high school run out, and they're dressed all in the Ghostbusters gear, like the jumpsuits with the proton packs, everything. And the music comes on, and everyone in the building just erupts when applause and starts singing all the words to this. And she had no idea what this was, but everybody was in on this weird thing with these guys in jumpsuits running out, <laughs> and everyone was laughing and singing the song she had never heard. And that was her that was her introduction to Ghostbusters. So at at I don't know, seventeen years old, don't know. Where the hell she's been all her life, but that's really funny. Yeah. So what we're gonna do here is go by track by track, and you and I just spent in the last couple of hours listening to these songs over and over and gathering some information on them. We're gonna talk about the songs and our feelings on them, and uh, you know where this uh, the soundtrack stands culturally. All right. So without further ado, the first song on the album, the first track, is Ray Parker Jr.'s seminal titular classic, Ghostbusters.
So Ghostbusters in 1984, this was a song that you could not escape from. You could not get away from this song. I remember watching the video on early MTV. I think it was MTV. I'm pretty sure it was MTV. Like like several times, all, all, all the time. I remember seeing it as a kid. And this and kind of like the uh, David Lee Roth uh, California Girl song, I think, like would play back to back sometimes. And I don't know why, for some reason, that sticks out in my head, uh, those two songs together. So Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. Do you like it? I do. Yeah. I mean... It's a banging song. It like, is. Anytime it comes on, it's just, you know, you can't help but just, I don't know, sing the chorus along with the song. And it's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a good one. It's a great theme. It's a very funky pop song. It's There's not a whole lot like it out today. This is, it was very, it's got a pretty standard beat, got a pretty standard melody mm. to it, but it's, uh, it's addictive and fun and kind of gets in your head. So um, I'm curious if there was ever any song like this uh, for a soundtrack before that used the title and the name and kind of some descriptors of what you were seeing in the movie, but also kind of like, there, uh, there, I remember there was a movie called The Blob, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not talking about the remake, I'm talking about the one with Steve McQueen yeah. back in the day, shot in Abbeville, Louisiana, and it was, uh, there was this, like this group called The Four Blobs, I think, and they had this really great catchy song called The Blob, and the lyrics like, the blob, it creeps, like that, and it, um, it it does not do the it doesn't have the feel of a horror movie at all. It's almost like they walked into these like four guys and were like, "All right, you're the four blobs yeah. now. Write a song about a blob. A what does the blob do? Well, it crawls across the floor. Okay, okay. And then uh, it's a song that doesn't match what's going on on screen in any way, but it's but it's great. But anyway, so I I can't remember any big pop songs before this that were about what's going on in the movie. Now, of course, there's a whole Will Smith made an entire career out of like making rap yeah. songs out of what, what was going on in his movies. I mean, the only big soundtrack before this that comes to my mind is uh, the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's no tracks on it that uh, have, the, have the title in it or yeah. really kind of, I don't know, cover what the movie's about or the characters in the movie. Like, okay, there's, so in this theme, there's the line, I hear he likes the girls. Clearly, that's, you know, a reference to Peter Venkman. Um, such a weird line. It's, it's I thought it was about yeah. it was about the ghost that he was talking, the invisible man who sleeps in the bed. You know, it's like, there well, he go. does like the ladies. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's things like that in in the main theme that uh, apply to the movie, like mm-hmm. very specific things in the movie. So that's interesting. So here's a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want a new drug by Huey Lewis in the news. You know the whole story behind that, right? I do. Yeah. Now, okay. was was it true that Huey Lewis was originally approached by the producers of Ghostbusters yes. to do the song? Okay. He was approached by the producers uh, of Ghostbusters to do the main theme, but he already had um, he was already doing the theme for Back to the Future, so he passed. So Ray Parker Jr. was approached. He did it, and it's a very very similar melody. Mm-hmm. It's a very similar sounding song. There's you know no denying that. Um, and Huey Lewis took it. To the extreme and sued Ray Parker Jr. for, you know, what he claimed was ripping off his melody. Uh, it was settled out of court. Yeah. But in the early 2000s, there was a VH1 behind the music episode where Ray Parker, excuse me, Huey Lewis uh, mentioned the amount, which you can't do. Well, so, I think he also mentioned that uh, Ray Parker Jr. didn't pay him Paramount Pictures. Or yeah. not Paramount. Um, more more information than he should have been putting out there. And so they turned around Columbia and Pictures, for, excuse me, for breach of contract. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of a mess. But well, I've the actually, cool thing about that is Ray Parker Jr. got away scot-free because he didn't have to pay Huey Lewis anything. Columbia Pictures had to pay him. Yeah. And then also Ray Parker Jr. was able to sue him for breach of contract and, and get double paid on it. And also he's making royalties on the music. To this day. Yeah. And he also got an Oscar nomination for yeah. the song. So he made up pretty good. Um, yeah, but uh, I actually, I, I quite like I Want a New Drug. And you can hear the similarities, but, you know, hey, they're both good songs. 
Um, I did hear a mashup of the two that was interesting. Someone went and uh, put you know one on top of the other. There is actually a, several mashups of the Ghostbusters theme with other songs. Uh, Thunderbusters. Someone took Thunderstruck by mm-hmm. ACDC. Uh, ACDC yeah. and put it over the Ghostbusters theme and it is kick-ass. It's, uh, it's on YouTube, so if you're interested, go check it out. So have you heard some of the covers of this song? No, I have not. So in uh, for Ghostbusters 2, Run DMC did their own version of this. And there's a video for it, which features Sigourney Weaver and Annie Potts getting out of this limo at the very beginning with Run DMC and going on stage. I have seen that. Yeah, uh, not good. Not good. No. Uh, also not good, in 2005, uh, this Ghostbusters was covered by Michael the Turtle. Really? Do you know who Michael the Turtle I is? I do not. Okay. So Michael the Turtle is a French cartoon. I've never heard of Michael the, Michael the no Turtle. No one has. I don't know how the hell I've missed this. Of all the weird things I've seen in my life, this <laughs> might take the cake. So what's happening now is Michael the Turtle is this weird little French cartoon guy. Looks like something out of an Ubisoft video game. And he's trying to impress a lady turtle. And he has played the Ghostbusters theme song. And he's riding around on rides <laughs> in an amusement park. But he's not singing the lyrics to the song or anything like that. He's just kind of going boom, 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 do 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 boom, boom. And trying to get her eye by, I guess, like eating caramel apples. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Oh, but man. the lyrics to the song are, who's that guy? Really? Who's that boy? Michael the Turtle. <laughs> he says Michael oh the Turtle. God. I don't know what this has to do with Ghostbusters or anything. It's, uh, it's bizarre. That's, that's about enough for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't stare too long into Michael the Turtle because you are looking into the void at some point. That so this song was also covered uh, by a band called Erasmus. I think they're a Swedish band. And of course, this year it was covered by Fallout Boy and Walk the Moon. And I have to say... I know that some people consider it one of the five worst things to ever happen in humanity for the Fallout Boy cover of this song, mm-hmm. of Ghostbusters, but it kind of grew on me over really? time. I kind of got to the point where I started to kind of dig parts of it. As a whole, I don't think I like it, but there are parts of it that I do like. I think the only time I've really heard it was in the movie. Yeah. And I never really sought it out after that. You don't just drive around town listening to Fallout Boy? No. no. Believe okay. it or not. No. Yeah. So, uh-huh. Okay. So, yeah, but this song, uh, you know, on top of being something that just people were singing across the world at the time, and to this day, I mean, you recognize the song anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it also sparked the catchphrase, who are you going to call? And yeah. uh, I ain't afraid of no ghost, you know, which you can say to anybody just about anywhere, and they're going to know exactly what you're talking about. It's funny how that's not in the movie at any point. There's nobody saying, like, who are you going to call? Or I don't know if the producers went up to him and said, hey, we need these two lines in the song. Who are you going to call? I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Did you see his his uh, appearance in Ghost Heads? Do you remember that? Oh yeah. He actually has the song, his own yeah, version his of it as a ringtone. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty funny. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. So there were a lot of famous names involved with the theme. Uh, Are you, you talking know, about the music video or in the recording of the song? In the recording of the song. Really? Who's that? Let's see. Uh, Kenny Loggins did background vocals. What? Sheena Easton. No. Irene Cara. Really? Oh yeah. That's uh, that's a crazy. So I guess they're probably the people saying like Ghostbusters in the background. I, who knows? But yeah. um, also, uh, legendary film composer James Newton Howard was oh, on wow. keyboard. So hmm. yeah, it's just it's funny that those people were involved. Let's talk about the music video. Yeah, yeah. So the music video for this was kind of a classic of my childhood as well. It's really cool. Rake Parker Jr.'s walking around this like neon light set, which was really neat. And it's like kind of like a, a black box theater almost uh, outline of like there would be like a prop or two in the room, like maybe a bed and a window or something like that. And Ray Parker Jr. would be walking through singing his Ghostbusters song. And then, uh, you know, ghosts would be symbolized by maybe like blankets or something like that blowing in the wind. And of course, there's like a pretty lady in the bed having to get up because the Invisible Man's there or whatever, which Invisible Man and Ghost are two different things. I don't know why they're mentioned in the song together. But um, yeah, it was a really fun video. It was really cool. Uh, and, you know, 
because we live in the YouTube age and I love YouTube so much, there's so much weird crap on it, but you can find him performing the song across like a hundred different weird European uh, variety shows. I think there's one where he's just like singing and there's a street behind him and little graphics of like ghosts are moving up and down the screen. It's hilarious. It's so weird, but I'm so glad it's documented. Yeah. But I know there were a lot of weird cameos uh, in, in the video as well, right? Uh, yeah. In fact, there was um, Chevy Chase just pops up and says, who are you going to call? And uh, or Ghostbusters, Irene Cara at one point, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Irene Cara of um, Flashdance fame. She wrote uh, that's right. Uh, sing what a feeling. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Terry Gar, Peter Falk, Jeffrey Tambor, <laughs> Jeffrey um, Tambor. Wow. Yeah, John Candy. Uh huh. And let's see. Uh, there was also okay. So George Went mm-hmm. pops up in it, and yeah. there's a little yeah. What's going on with that? There. I remember some about that. So he was friends with Ivan Reitman. He happens to be on the studio the day that they're shooting the music video, and somebody's like, hey, you want to come just stand in front of the camera and say this thing? He says, yeah, sure. Comes over, says the line, walks off. That was it. And why does it have to be more difficult than that? Yeah. So anyway, uh, SAG got word of this, and I believe what happened was he wasn't paid uh, because it was just such a, if I'm not mistaken, there was a story, um, because it was just such a simple little thing. Whatever. Hey, my friends are doing doing this cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it turned into all this drama because, you know, that went against uh, union, union regulations. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so. Well, that, that's a real shame that it had to go to that extreme. But, uh, yeah, one other weird thing at the end of this video is they're all kind of walking around in New York dancing. Yeah. You know? And here's, here's something cool. You can't get Bill Murray to come around to do documentaries. You can't get him to do sequels. You can't get him to do really anything involving the movie outside of the movie itself at all. Mm-hmm. And here he is in the music video right up there walking around New York with the other guys and Ray Parker Jr. Giving it his all. I mean, he brings his game face to this and it's just, I don't know. It seems like it'd be a real fun thing to do to go uh, out and yeah. just kind of, Hey, we want to put you in the Ghostbusters outfit. You'll get to see your buddies and you walk around and, and dance to the song. Yeah. And then they even break dance yeah. again. It's <laughs> pretty great. It's a great video. It's it's a lot of fun. I like the colors in it. I like all the neon lights, uh, you know, uh, with a black backdrop to it. It's a it's very cool. Very it's hella eighties, hella eighties. Oh, very. And I love the very beginning too. Like the woman's walking up to her apartment building or whatever. And I think there's actually a skyline in the background. It's really like eerie looking sky. Mm-hmm. You know, the song has the opening part where the guitar the has guitar, like a wah wah yeah. pedal or something like that, and it sounds like somebody's going like oh 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 oh. You know, yeah. but I love the the video game version of the song too for Atari because at the very beginning this voice goes like Ghostbuster yeah. <laughs> like that. It's great. So yeah, Ray Parker Jr.'s Ghostbusters. Um, I mean, out of all the songs ever written in the history of time, this has probably got to go in at least the top thirty six. Yeah. And I mean, we're, we're what thirty two <laughs> years into this film being uh-huh. released, and you still hear it in clubs. You still hear it on the radio. Still it's, relevant. Yeah, and no, it's so weird because it's just marketing for the movie. But like when yeah. it comes on, like I'm always singing the song when it and, comes on. And you know, I hear songs like uh, for other films, like let's say Staying Alive or. Mm-hmm. Um, I, nothing else is really coming to mind. Maybe some of the stuff that Prince did for the Batman soundtrack, some of the tracks oh, on that. Oh, yeah. And I hear him. Bad and Dance. There's kind of like Electric some chair. novelty to it, so it's kind of like Party laughable. Man. But <laughs> Ghostbusters is something that I don't laugh at when it's playing. It's like still a pretty kick-ass song that yeah. is, if it's, man, man if it's, it's been high on the Billboard charts or whatever, three weeks in a row when it came out. But if it's still as relevant as it is 32 years after the movie, I think it's going to be... You know, what's the last big marquee theme song like this? You think it was Will Smith's Men in Black Two Back in Black song? <laughs> Maybe yeah. I don't know, man. You don't see that much anymore. And if it is, if it is, uh, if a film does have like a big theme or big song to it, 
See, it, nothing comes to mind. And I, I try and keep up with film as much as I can, and I can't think of anything. What's this Suicide Squad had the like purple Lamborghini? I like that song yeah. a lot. I don't know why it's so bad, but for some reason I've listened to it a lot. Yeah, yeah it, it kind of fits the movie. But yeah, it wasn't like... And he mentioned Suicide Squad a couple times, the song Rick Ross does, but mm-hmm. it's uh, he also mentioned Skrillex, even though Skrillex is right there. Such a bizarre, right. bizarre thing. But I'm thinking... Whenever I was younger and I used to like in high school, I would take a girl like uh, a young lady on a date to see a movie. The most embarrassing part of my life was when the movie was over, having to get up and walk out of the theater while the theme song rap played over the end of the movie. You know, like maybe go to see like Pearl Harbor with Ben Affleck in it. And like, you know, a song in that getting up to walk out here like Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor. Okay. You're joking, but I'm joking. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, no, a, uh, Friend of mine, we're gonna get a little off topic here for a second. Mm-hmm. Ninja rap from Oh yeah, Ninja Turtles two. T U R T L E Power. Oh yes. no, I'm thinking of a different song. I'm thinking of the uh, Oh T U R T L E Power is bad. That's a good song. Yeah, that's just exactly. a good song. Ninja <laughs> rap, however, yeah. that might have been where culture ended. So this friend of mine has this theory that uh, Vanilla Ice is actually an animorph. and she had some crazy, crazy reasoning behind it. But I was talking to her about it. and I'm like, no shit. Someone else thinks this. And I've always thought that like there was some kind of weird connection between him and the turtles when they jump up on stage. He looks at him, and all of a sudden, oh yeah, like, okay, they know they dance. just go with yes. it, yeah. And they've got this whole synchronized thing down, and the turtles I think might even know like some of the lyrics of the song. How else was that possible? Unless in a past life, Ice was a turtle, possibly. You know, you know what would have been great is at the end of Eight Mile. If, you know, like Eminem Rabbit's getting up to do like his theme or whatever. And all of a sudden, like Yusagi Yojimbo, the samurai bunny, like busts through the wall. And all of a sudden he starts tailoring his rap to be about the bunny, you know. <laughs> At first he's like, yo, your mom's and this and that. And then the bunny bumps and he's like, bunny, bunny, hey, bunny. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm not I'm not one of these rappers. I'm not a professional rapper. but uh, A rapper. I, a rapper, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell or not. Well, let's, let's get on to the rest of the uh, uh, soundtrack. So the second song in the tra- soundtrack is Cleaning Up the Town by the Bus Boys. So I think we had talked about this in a previous minute. This song is featured twice in the movie, and it's, it, again, used to great effect. It's really just the first, like, refrain from the song, the first little bit of it. But um, I always thought this was the Stray Cats growing up. And oh, until yeah, recently I when I looked kind of at it, it's kind of like a rockabilly. Yeah. yeah, it's like a Chuck Berry throwback. So the Bus Boys were kind of a band that played a bunch of different genres, uh, but Chuck Berry throwback is a good way to describe them. Uh, I think they're actually still around, and I know that uh, they toured with Eddie Murphy one time when he was doing, I guess, his Raw tour or whatever. He would have a band come out beforehand, and they actually appeared on Saturday Night Live one time, and he did backup vocals for them. Really? So we have that Ghostbusters connection, too, which we're going to get into in a later episode about cool. the you know the whole um, Eddie Murphy connection as well. Yeah, right. Yeah, but I think that had Ray Parker Jr.'s Ghostbusters not been the big song from this movie, I think that Cleaning Up the Town probably would Absolutely. have been the Ghostbusters theme, because and- it's it's. Um, you talk about on the nose. It is definitely these guys. I don't know if they were given a script or something, but they knew what would happen yeah. in the movie. And there's like allusions to like Slimers and stuff like yeah. that. And it. it's weird. And uh, yeah, all kinds of references that tie directly to the movie. So it's yeah, it is almost like they were they were told, okay, this is what's going to be going on at this point in the movie when your yeah. song is going to be. And they said. We got it. And they wrote a great song. Yeah. It, it was fantastic. It's high energy. It's it, high energy. It kicks ass. Yeah. It's, uh, it perfectly fits the the moment in the film that it comes in. Yeah. I mean, it's like, because everything's kind of down and out at that moment. And then right as things pick up, you know, we got one. This song comes on that couldn't be more upbeat and positive and just 
fun. Or when they're running out of the library earlier in the movie and the song's playing, you know, That's they're true, back yeah. in the library. It works perfectly for that kind of like chaotic, frenetic, humorous moment. However, I would say, uh, unlike Saving the Day, this song stands on its own. I think you could listen to this outside yeah, of the soundtrack so. and it's an enjoyable song. I think so, yeah. It's very well written, high energy. Uh, and again, if Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. wasn't the big song from the movie, I think people would remember Cleaning Up the Town. I think so. And of course, you know, there's the new documentary coming out called Cleaning Up the Town. Yeah, based the band on the is in it. Too. That's right. So Saving the Day by the Alessi Brothers. Had you heard of the Alessi Brothers before this? I mean, of course, you hadn't heard about this before right. the movie. Duh. Yeah, but before we were sitting here look at thinking about this uh, soundtrack today. No, no, I haven't. Yeah, they had like one other big hit in 1977, uh, a song called Oh Lori. And if you listen to it, uh, it'll put you to sleep immediately. It is hella late 70s AM rock. It's almost like uh, Snowbird. You know that song? Oh, yeah. It's ex- uh, Anne Murray. It is yeah. Snowbird uh, to, to the max. Uh, awesome. But it's definitely like, you know, in the 70s, there was like a genre of music that we don't really have anymore called just kind of like easy listening and it was music mm-hmm. to just kind of like chill out to and maybe it was like a light guitar and it was all about love and stuff like that and the Alicia Brothers they definitely were all about that kind of music but yeah. uh, I tell you it's you know I mean you watch the movie now I, I watch the movie and it doesn't strike me as novelty or cheesy or anything like that because I've just been one I take it seriously and two I've been watching it all these years so it doesn't strike me as cheesy but mm-hmm. seeing it today I can see how somebody might see the Ghostbusters showing up to save the day while the lyrics saving the day. A little on the nose. A little on the nose, yeah. but it doesn't matter because it works so well in that it moment. It does, Where yeah. they're like, you know, uh, Mayor says, uh, what do you need from me? And then they immediately cut to the, the National Guard has been brought in. That's right, yeah. And they're following the Ghostbusters. And they're the ones who are like going to, you know, lead the charge here. And whenever they show up, Peter gets out of the car. It's one of my favorite moments in the movie. And he just jumps out and says, hello, New York, and all yeah, this. And, eating it up. Yeah, eating it up. But it's... um. It's a, you know, at some point in the third, close into the third act, the movie takes a really serious turn that you wouldn't think this comedy would. And it's done really, really, really well. It's it's not in your face or, I don't know. We'll get to there whenever we get to there. But um, but anyway. But I the song is used to great effect. Is very, that what you're trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's used to great effect. So uh, I, yeah, definitely. I, I like it in the movie. I really do. It only works, I think, in the context of the movie, too. This song does not really stand on its own. In fact, there's some parts of it that are a little bit sloppy. It sounds like maybe they just recorded it one time. They like mm-hmm. wrote it, and the next day went in to record it. And like, hey, guys, you want to do another take? Ah, uh, no, that's all right, mate. We're out. You know? <laughs> and yeah. left. But it, uh, yeah, it just works in the context of this of, of that scene. So In the Name of Love by the Thompson Twins, I really like this song, but I couldn't pinpoint 
when it was in the movie. Do you know when it is? Yeah, and this is actually my favorite track on the whole really? album. Really? Okay. Yeah, this is when uh, they are sitting around the dinner table, and he's talking about this is the last of the petty cash. Oh, okay. Yeah, and you can barely hear it in the background. And uh, I actually never really knew what it was until you know I was doing research for this. Uh, and it's a really cool song, really catchy song. So... But yeah, and it, it's it's been featured in a few other movies too. It was also in Valley Girl and Edge of Seventeen. So have you seen Valley Girl? No, I haven't. It's like a Nicolas Cage movie from the eighties. I don't know much oh. about it at all. Well, maybe maybe I won't see it. Can't Wait Forever by Air Supply. Uh, this song sounds like it was probably played at the last, is the last dance of every prom in yeah, 1985. I think so. I don't know how big of a hit this song was, but uh, this song damn near put me to sleep while I was listening to I it. Know. This was a low point in the soundtrack for me. And that's coming from a guy who doesn't mind Air Supply at all. Right. And it, the moment that it's in the movie is kind of out of place because you see the guy who's listening to it on his headphones just kind of jamming out. Yeah. And I'm like, I know you ain't listening to this, bro. I'm glad. Yeah. Who listens to Air Supply while they work? You know, yeah, like right. I need, uh, you know, uh, the Michael the Turtle version of Ghostbusters <laughs> to get me through the work day. But um, yeah, no. So this song actually, the whole time I was listening to it, 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 have you ever listened to a song and it's close enough to another song to where maybe the build up to the bridge or something like that is identical to another song, and then you start singing the lyrics to yeah. the other song? I think I know that exactly. was this song for me. I kept singing Chicago's "You're the Inspiration" when I was listening to oh. the song because the build up to it is like almost exactly I can the see same. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you that mashup right there. That that song, by the way, is, is used to great effect in Deadpool at the very. It's the, that's the end fight scene for the movie is done to Chicago's "You're the Inspiration." Awesome. It's it's a really good movie. Uh, yeah. So again, I think that probably some of our listeners out there were even conceived to the song. It's such a slow jam. <laughs> So the next song in the soundtrack is one that kind of was a black hole for me, and it's kind of hard to find this song. It wasn't on the Spotify playlist, but it's uh, Hot Night by Laura Branigan, and I have to tell you, within two seconds of the song, it was instantly my favorite song in the soundtrack, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, it, it's it's an 80s banger. It's well-written. It's rocking. It's kind of got synth-pop thing going on. Yeah. So is this song actually in the movie? I couldn't pinpoint when I when it was in the movie. Yes. It's when uh, Dana's trying to, uh, you know get past Lewis's apartment and he comes out and she says that she can't make his party because she has a date and he's you brought a date oh so, he can come too yeah exactly <laughs> dude I tell you what like we'll get to the other tracks that he had planned at his party but man you talk about a a banger a it's a banger, banger man yeah. I, I instantly put this into my rotation of like songs I'm listening I to right now I want Lewis Tully to be the DJ at my next party D- he's in the wrong business he should not be a CPA he needs no. to be a DJ I know. Of, of hot 80s jams hey yeah. you know what whenever they make the canonized Ghostbusters 3 and they finally get Rick Moranis back maybe that's where his story went who knows (laughs) 
So I don't really have, I couldn't really find a whole lot of information on this or who Laura Branigan was, but I have to say that this song was immediately my favorite song in the soundtrack. After like just two seconds of listening to it, I was like, oh, this is it. I was yeah. born to listen to this song. It is 80s fabulous. So yeah, if you don't know the song we're talking about, definitely uh, grab yourself a copy or, you know, Google is your friend. I'll just say that. So, "Magic" by Mick Smiley is arguably the second best sound, uh, uh, the second best song on this soundtrack, I think, and it is a bizarre one. It's kind of the paranoid android or the happiness is a warm gun of of this album. Like yeah. it switches yeah. itself around at like the two minute, uh, excuse me, three twenty five mark. I think it just completely changes to like a different song. It's it is bizarre. It's like two different songs melded into one. Just like in the middle, the guy, Mick Smiley, was like, you yeah. know what, we're just playing a different song now. It's really strange. I actually love the moment. It's one of my favorite moments in the movie is when mm-hmm. magic comes about. It's right after Peck, Walter Peck has ordered the uh, containment unit opened. Yeah. And everything you know goes to hell, and you see all of the ghosts coming out. There's this big wide shot of the New York City skyline, and it just holds on it entirely too long. And you start to see slowly see all the, you know beams of supernatural uh, element and whatnot coming up through the buildings and everything closer to the camera spreading throughout the city and it's just it's one of my favorite moments of the movie it's a yeah. very 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 effective a very eerie scene mm-hmm. in the and, song yeah and the song uh suits it very well the second half does definitely i'm glad we didn't hear yeah, the yeah, first yeah. half of the movie at all because i mean there's nothing wrong with it but when you're when i was listening to it i was like is this the right song this yeah. doesn't sound like the magic song at all something weirder than the song itself is the fact that it is Referenced in the Die Antwoord song, uh, Ugly Boy. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, that's right. I knew that. Yeah. That, that, that's a great song. Yeah, I know. I, I like Die Antwoord. They're weird. But yeah, yeah, I was listening to that and I was like, oh, this is bizarre that he's throwing in, he's sampling. Just that, he's, But it's just that phrase though, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's just yeah, the, yeah, I believe yeah, it's yeah. magic, magic yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So, there's that one. Uh, there is there is another song that's featured in the movie, but is not on the soundtrack. Correct? Yeah, and it is uh, "Disco Inferno" by yeah. the Tramps, which is a big song, huge in the you know when it came out. And um, it's yeah, it was uh, on a re-release of the soundtrack, but mm-hmm. it's in the movie and it's you know very very recognizable. It's at uh, Lewis's party when yeah. Ted and Annette walk in, and he's going around you know talking to the people about why they're there and he I guess accidentally tells the guy that he invited clients instead of friends right and yeah he's looking at him like he's able to okay. write it all off yeah <laughs> so yeah but um I love that song yeah Sang it at a karaoke not long ago you know it's it's hard I think for some people to wrap their head around like what the you know like what you think of like 80s music is really came from like this middle to the second half like right after the soundtrack came out Ghostbusters was really kind of the new wave of like Michael Jackson type mm-hmm. music you know Madonna all that stuff it was really the second half of the of the decade stuff like Disco Inferno really you get the bleed over from the previous decade so we're here in 2016 so the music that our decade is going to be remembered for 
which I'm saying is dubstep probably. It's just in the last couple of years, you know, that uh, it's going to come around. So stuff like Disco Inferno, yeah, it's a 70s song, but you definitely would have heard that into the 80s at parties and stuff like that. So it does feel a little... Out of place. Well, I mean, look, for yeah, me somehow. looking back on it through the lens that we have, but stuff like you were talking earlier about, uh, you know, Irene Cara, you know, in, in, yeah. in the song, like Kenny Loggins, that kind of stuff was probably what was contemporary at the time. Yeah, so. and I mean, I'm, I'm listening to stuff all the time that would have come from you oh, know, yeah. a generation before or whatever. What did they say? After you hit 30, you don't listen to new music anymore? No. I mean, I listen to crap anyway. Aside from the Ghostbusters soundtrack. That's right. So uh, that kind of ends the pop music section of the album, but there are a couple of tracks off the score by Elmer Bernstein, uh, the first of which is the main title. And it's really weird because you hear the song throughout the movie and it's synonymous with the Ghostbusters, the piano. And it's ingrained in my mind as like a song from this movie, but it doesn't scream Ghostbusters to me, which is weird that it's the main theme. Yeah, absolutely. And um this, yeah, this movie has an amazing score. It really does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can hear these little themes. Dana's theme, the one you just sang, yeah. and then a few others that are uh, recognizable. You can hear them anyway and say, oh, Ghostbusters. Whereas there's some other films that have a score that's really good, and I can hear something from it, but I'm going to be saying, what movie was that in? I know I recognize that from yeah. somewhere, but with these, it's like, without question, you know exactly where you heard it. Yeah, you can't separate it from the film. And Elmer Bernstein is a prolific uh songstress if you will uh he wrote scores for a lot of films do you want me to give you a short list of some of the movies he's done all right stop me when you've heard enough the magnificent seven the ten commandments the great escape the black cauldron to kill a mockingbird the age of innocence hoodlum stripes far from heaven trading places zulu dawn airplane the man with the golden arm the good son the rainmaker three amigos walk on the wild side the buccaneer wild wild west and more and more and more so the guy wrote a lot of music and uh jeez I, I knew that he had written a lot of stuff just because i recognized his name but i didn't know it was it went that far back elmer bernstein prolific songwriter who also did the next song and that's Dana's love or Dana's theme from the Ghostbusters soundtrack which might as well be called love theme from Ghostbusters you know it's definitely like the most romantic use of a theremin ever in music but it's uh it's 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 a very pretty piece and I think we hear this a couple of times in the movie too don't we yeah we do uh you know there at the end and then yeah Yeah, whenever whenever Dana is being freed from the uh charred remains of Zool uh, the song plays. Is this also the song that's playing whenever Peter sees her outside of the uh, New York Philharmonic doing his Peter Venkman dance around the, uh, the I believe I, I can't really place it right now, but it seems like it would be an appropriate spot in the movie. So that does it with the Elmer Bernstein tracks from the movie from the score, but then we also have one last song in here. It's an instrumental version of Ghostbusters. Now, this is the same version that is used for the montage in the movie. And the way that I 
discovered that, I was listening to it, I was like, this is a little bit off. It sounds like a little bit different version. The timing's a little bit different. But the part where uh, in the montage, uh, Ray Stance falls asleep and dreams of a yeah. ghost unbuckling his belt, that part has a little bit of additional music put on top of it, kind of a yeah. fade into a dream type thing. So yeah, the score for Ghostbusters is—I mean, it really holds up. It's a great score. It's on—it's—it's it's really a grand score for a movie that didn't—you don't think otherwise would have had a, a score on that. I don't—I guess I want to use the word epic level. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also intimate. Like the songs by Elmer Bernstein yeah, yeah, yeah. really remind me of like a, of a um, Woody Allen film almost mm-hmm. in their quirkiness. The score for Ghostbusters Two was by Randy Edelman, and it's—it kind of goes for that same sense of just a grand uh, sound to it. Mm-hmm. And like uh, so many other things with Ghostbusters 2, depending on you know where you stand with it, uh, it, it doesn't work. Really? So you think it's a little it, bit too big for the movie? I think it's a little too big, and not all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are moments in it where I'm just like, what the heck? Back up. You know, you're, you're overwhelming me. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's a good score, but I, you know, it's, it's not nearly as memorable or iconic as the score for Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was a really fun trip into uh, the Ghostbusters soundtrack. I, I think uh, certain tracks on here definitely hold up over time. I mean, the Ray Parker Jr. song Ghostbusters is a timeless classic. We'll be listening to this song far into our 80s. You know, I think that this is going to stick around for the next generation of fans to come along as well. And then varying effect, of course, with the other tracks on here. I think there's. I'm glad that we listened to this because the uh, uh, Hot Night by Laura Bran- uh, Excuse me. Laura Brannigan is my new favorite song for this week. Yeah. So I'll be listening to Very that. Awesome. Yeah. All right, Brady, you got anything else? No, that's it for me. All right, let's go ahead and let everybody start their weekend off on the right foot. Folks, go out there, listen to the Ghostbusters soundtrack. It's fantastic. It holds up. Uh, thank you again so much. Uh, I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And we're here to remind you that death is but a door. Time a window. We'll be back. Ghostbusters Minute is a fan-supported podcast. To become a patron of Ghostbusters Minute and gain access to exclusive weekly bonus content, visit us at patreon.com slash gbminute. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at ghostbustersminute at gmail.com and visit us online at ghostbustersminute.com, facebook.com slash ghostbustersminute, twitter.com slash gbminute, and look us up on Instagram at ghostbustersminute. Minute.